Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2021. Today we're back across the pond talking about Lotus. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Guess what? Today I'm across the pond in Cromer in the UK with a very special guest by the name of Johnny Tipler. Johnny, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yeah, I certainly do, Mark. Yeah, we're, we're ready to go. We're going to have some fun. Well, Johnny and I had a little couple issues this morning getting this whole thing going, but we're back on track today. But, you know, when it comes to old cars and maybe old uh, Lotuses, that might be the norm. I don't know. We'll see. But we're back connected again today. And I appreciate your patience. So before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your latest book, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Johnny? Well, for the last, uh, let's think now, uh, for the last uh, 30 years or so, I've been uh, a car journalist and uh, writing car books. Prior to that, I did a, an art history degree. So I was uh, I studied medieval European art. Wow. And then uh, on the back of that, I got into uh, restoring wall paintings, medieval wall paintings in churches. Whoa. And uh, fairly specialized. Uh, uh, yeah, you're, fairly. You're, you're, <laughs> you're chipping whitewash off medieval paintings that they uh in the reformation they just painted over all the all the old biblical yeah. uh, stories oh my gosh that were painted on the walls and uh there's a bunch of people not very many people who were involved in the restoration and conservation of, uh, of these medieval pictures uh, but it was uh, it was a, a world occupied or populated by mostly by ladies uh, of means uh, uh and so they didn't really need that much uh money whereas i did yes. and there wasn't any money in it <laughs> yeah so well it uh, it lasted sort of three or four years i think and yeah then. well it sounds sounds fascinating and very interesting and uh wow that is a niche for sure it's different to cars isn't it yeah very different from cars well let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to talk about a new book that you've written johnny tipler is a lifelong petrol head I maybe he had a little diversion into the uh, medieval <laughs> art world and highly respected motoring journalist and author. Uh, he's authored 43 automotive books since 1989, published by market leaders, including uh, Cotier Press, Veloce Publishing, our friends there, Haynes, of course, and the Crowwood Press, who published this latest book. Today, we'll be focusing on this book, which is titled Lotus, The Complete Story, with the foreword by Mike Kimberly, who was previously CEO and managing director of Group Lotus. John Johnny was an integral part of the team on Lotus Cars in-house magazine, writing stories, attending meetings, and working closely with Lotus Cars press and marketing staff. He's contributed to numerous other automotive magazines. It would take an hour for me to list them all here, I think, and covered many events from rallies to races. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give him a little love, and we'll be right back. Covercraft has the most complete line of custom seat covers available. Choose between the polycotton seat savers Endura Precision Fit Custom Seat Covers, Leatherette Precision Fit Custom Seat Covers, and their durable Carhartt Seat Covers. 
They're all easy to install and remove. And guess what? They're machine washable too. Easy cleanup to make them look brand new. No more worries about the kids spilling on your seats or your pets damaging your expensive upholstery or leather. Covercraft's quality seat covers protect from damaging pet claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, food, drink spills, drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's fine surfaces. Headrest and armrest covers and color options are also available on many of the styles. And I've got a great offer for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping with the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Visit Covercraft.com today. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Johnny, we are back. So I want to dive a little deeper into the proverbial corner here since we're talking about Lotus. Of course, they have a spectacular racing history that we'll touch with. But let's start with talking about this book. Now, you've written several books about Lotus cars, correct? Uh, Yeah, uh, probably without going to my bookshelf and counting them, I think possibly seven. Seven. Wow. Um. Well, on specific models, last year a book uh, on the Elise and Exige came out. Uh, that was by Crowwood Press. Previously, I've done books on the Lotus and Caterham 7. The cars that you associate with uh, Jimmy Clark, the uh, world champion in, in 63 and 65. So that would be the type, Lotus types 25 and 33. Wow. Then the ones that you associate with Mario Andretti and uh, Ronnie Peterson, the types 78 and 79. The black and gold cars. Exactly. And then, well, the sort of piece de resistance is a book called Black and Gold, um, (laughs) which uh, documents the whole of that era when players sort of came on the scene sponsoring Team Lotus in 68 uh, with the Gold Leaf brand that switches to the uh, John Player Special Cigarette brand in uh, 72 when Emerson Fittipaldi is the champion. And that black and gold period then goes right up to uh, 80, 86 mm. when, when, you've got, when you've got Ayrton Senna. I mean, there is a slight hiatus in, in, in uh, uh, 
what do we think, 1980, when it goes to Martini and then Essex Petroleum. Right. But that's a, that's just a very brief window. Absolutely. Well, obviously, your relationship with Lotus and working with them over the years has uh, tied you into all this. Let's let's talk about this new book because this new book really covers the entire spectrum. Uh, it's very in depth, and you go from the beginning up to current. What did you learn in putting this together after having written so many other Lotus books? I would imagine your challenge was, what else can I bring to the story? Yes, I think you're, you're always with a with a book that calls itself the complete story. I mean, it's it's really it's a marked history, and with any book, the moment you hand in the material to the publisher, it's sort of game over. And even though the story is still evolving, I mean, Lotus is now uh, going in for electric uh, cars. They've stopped the uh, the Elise Exige and the uh, Evora. Um, we're now with the Evaya and, uh, well, the Amira is still a petrol engine car, but what they're working on now is electric. And, well, we wait and see what how that goes. Well, you know, that's something interesting to me because the electric age is coming, obviously, and many, many companies have said that we're going to be going all electric. You kind of scratch your head and go, okay, well, is it too much too soon or where are they, how are they going to? proceed with this and how is it going to affect it with Lotus being a relatively small manufacturer of cars and they always have been maybe that's the right move for them I I don't really know I don't manufacture cars obviously but um, I kind of wonder if if this is going to work and I guess we'll have to wait and see but that seems to be the the direction they've chosen right uh, it, it is and uh, they presumably have done their research and they think that yes it, it will work but as we as we know the the infrastructure uh, to support electric vehicles is is not there yet right, far from there yeah it, yeah and uh, you you imagine somebody living in a, in a high-rise block where are they going to plug well if there may be the a few uh, charging points in the street but the reality is that well, where are they all going to go to charge up? You imagine uh, tur- tourists all leaving a holiday resort on a on a you know after a bank holiday, uh, and they're rushing up the motorway to get back home. And yeah, <laughs> where are they going to charge their electric cars up? Yeah. The whole the whole thing for me it it uh, it, it doesn't really add up. Uh, I, I've driven electric cars. I know that they they go like uh, like the clappers, if I can put it that way, uh, <laughs> and. Um, but yeah, so so the the technology within the car is is absolutely fine. But it's going back to battery production. The way you're going to get the minerals, the chemicals to actually make to to where where is that sustainable? Yeah, maybe moving a little fast. It seems to be, and I've, I've had an enormous number of people in the EV uh, manufacturing market on this show in the last six months. People in the battery industry, and we've all had this same conversation, especially over here in the United States. Probably the same in the UK and a lot of countries. We just don't have the infrastructure yet to supply all the power that's going to be needed, much less the charging stations. I just had a mm. guest in the show not too long ago. They're making a portable power pack that basically you can plug into your house outlet and then bring out to your car and it charges your car in about 15 minutes or something like that. But again, then you got to go buy those. There's all this complexity. But let's get back to Lotus because I'm curious, after all the books you've written, this inclusive book of everything Lotus, were there some things that you learned in putting this book together? There were because uh, I was fortunate in having Mike Kimberly, the CEO who you mentioned earlier on, he did some very long stints at Lotus. And so 
I wouldn't say he knows where the bodies are buried, but he's, <laughs> uh, he, he certainly has a lot to say about uh, how it was and how what Colin Chapman was really like, which th- there's a sort of a myth that Chapman was, was sort of like the hard man who kind of rode roughshod over everybody. But Mike Kimberley won't have that. He says, no, he was a really decent guy. Yeah. And um, there are aspects like that that, that that one finds out when you with this book. Also, uh, somebody called uh, Fred Bushell, who was uh, Chapman's sort of uh, money man, really, uh, from, well, 1953 up till, well, after Chapman died, Bushell was still the uh, the, the financial brains behind uh, Lotus. And uh, he uh, facilitated by doing the sums and moving the money around. He facilitated a lot of stuff that uh, Chapman wanted to do mm-hmm. and probably couldn't have done without Fred Bushell. And so Bushell is dead, but his one of his daughters was introduced to me in the course of doing the book. And they, Lotus is, is relatively close to where I, where I live. I mean, it's like uh, you know, a 40-minute drive away. Oh, nice. So she lives just near the factory still. And uh, she has all her father's archives there, including some photographs which oh, wow. uh, went into the book, plus a diary that he kept. More than a diary, really. I mean, it, it's it's doable as a biography, uh, but it, it goes back to when he first saw the Lotus kind of premises, which was in converted stables behind his father's pub uh, okay. in North London. And Bushell uh, wow. saw this from a bus and happened to get off the bus to uh, to, to go into the pub. And uh, he met Chapman and uh, and Chapman took him on as the, the rest as, is history as, as yes. the money man. Yeah, uh, so it's stuff like that which 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 came out of the uh, the um, Fred Bushell sort of archives. Yeah, I like to ask my guests about mentors or inspirational people in their lives. Uh, when you think about Lotus and as close a relationship you've learned and had with the, the company over the years, is Chapman that driving inspiration for you? Or is it this other gentleman? Or is there somebody related to Lotus Cars that you think have, has been a great influence in your life? Well, I hardly came across Chapman. I, I was a uh, I had a spell when I was doing promoting the John Player specials. I had I run a little press office, part of a an agency that uh, the agency promoted. It was hired by players to promote their sponsorship of Team Lotus. So we would we would go to the Grand Prix, and uh, uh, and the agency would produce everything from the the stickers that went on the cars to the T-shirts that and the rally jackets that people could buy trackside and somewhere in there you know there was the players uh, special events people which, which included for every grand prix they'd probably hire shall i say poss- possibly as many as 200 uh, model girls to to walk around handing out cigarettes <laughs> so i mean i wasn't involved with 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 that uh, so i ran this little press office and and at the racetracks you would you would in, you would encounter Chapman and the drivers, and you'd have to sort of get a little interview to to to, to put out there. In terms of people who were influential, well, Chapman's son, Clive Chapman, runs Classic Team Lotus, and what Clive uh, inherited uh, after uh, after his dad died and after Team Lotus uh, finished in '94 uh, was a lot of Formula 
Formula One cars, mm. Grand Prix cars, which mm. were just literally in a, a building, which they refer to as the piggery. So he began taking these these Formula One cars, quite famous cars in the in in their own right, cars that would have been raced by well by Jim Clark and Graham Hill and Ronnie Peterson, Jochen Rindt, uh Mario, indeed, and. Um, he got a, uh, a, a bunch of uh, guys, some of whom were mechanics back in the day, the most famous of whom is called Bob Dance, uh, <clears throat> who started at Lotus in 1960. They'd restore these Grand Prix cars, and they either they rent them out or they run them themselves or, or they sell them. Right. Uh, and so you still see these uh, authentic or original uh, Lotus F1 cars in historic racing today. Tremendous. So Ch- Clive is, I mean, he hasn't influenced me as such, but I really admire what he's, what he's done. Well, to preserve that legacy in the history is really spectacular. When I was racing vintage cars, my first vintage race was in, I had a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. And so I always kind of thought about Chapman when I crawled into that car. Of course, that was wow. the first open wheel car that Jimmy Clark raced, uh, yeah. which made me feel not like him because nobody could be like him, but kind of made me feel special. But it was a great fun car. It was a, originally an Ian Raby car. It was a uh, car that was used in, yeah, it had a little plaque on it, which was cool. And it was brought over here years ago, then restored. Funny, I ended up selling it to a Dr. Mark Green with an Andean of green, and it went back to England when I stopped racing it and stepped okay. into a, a Lola T290. So, uh, yeah, and I'm not sure if he still has it. I know he was in a very bad accident in his Lotus B, uh, flipped over, and I believe he got burned very badly and had to stop racing. But, but I always loved that car. It was that beautiful green with the yellow nose and the yellow wobbly wheels and uh, was fun. Fun little car to drive. I never felt very safe in that car, though. <laughs> it was a very tiny uh, tube frame. Yeah, this is the amazing thing about historics today. Well, back in the day, you, you, somebody would lose their life probably once a week. Yes. Uh, but, but today, the, they race them just as hard, and yet you don't hear about the fatalities. Well, you know, you guys over there in the UK race that hard. Over here, the vintage racing, I think, is a little bit more uh, gentlemanly, I shall say. Uh, not that the Brits are not gentlemanly. You certainly are. But uh, the racing doesn't seem to be as serious. When I watch some of the stuff going on at Goodwood, I am shocked at bumping and the stuff that they're doing with these very beautiful, dangerous old cars, uh-huh. uh, you know. But over here, yeah, if you uh, typically, at least when I was racing, if you even bumped into somebody, they ba- give you what they call the 13-13 roll. You're taking 13 months off. <laughs> you get to come and work at the track and see if you, we will allow you back. Because, again, they are very dangerous vehicles. And you're still traveling at maybe not close to the speeds that the real drivers were doing back in the day. But as I said, that car... I never felt that safe in that car. I never wanted to get in an accident. That's for sure. Mm. Um, you know, but there, it was great fun. And I, I loved, loved my time in that car. Let's take a short break and uh, thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to talk about maybe some challenges you face with this book. So keep that thought in mind. Keep the seatbelt cinched tight. And we'll be right back. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because 
Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. All right, so we're back, Johnny. So let's talk about this. When you're writing books, a lot of this is gathering information. Uh, No doubt there's some obstacles and challenges. When it comes to this book, was there one thing that really stood out for you or was a, a big challenge for you? I think the, the the main challenge is keeping the word count down. The oh, publishers goodness. publishers give you a, a word count, and this is based on the the size of the book and the price that they can charge for that book in the bookshop. And the word count is generally, I mean, I, I push it as hard as I can. How bad? <laughs> I think I think on this particular book, I probably submitted, you know, like say 110, maybe even 130,000 words. Wow. Said, well, no, we can't do that. You've got to, you've got to cut. And so one of the things that I like to include in my books is kind of driving impressions. So, which is not so relevant with a Lotus history book, but if you're talking about the Lotus Elise or the, uh, the Exige, then, then, or the Evora, you want to say, here's a road trip I did. This is what the car, how the car behaved driving through the Alps. Or, okay. uh, I mean, uh, there was one time uh, we took an Elise. Uh, I drove it from Las Vegas uh, down to uh, Boulder and then along the uh, Route 66 for a bit. Oh, yeah. So, so it, it, there's a part of that road trip is in the uh, Elise book. But all the time you're being constrained by the publisher to no, we can't use that many words. You're getting, and you present them with well, three hundred photographs. Three hundred is okay, but I think I probably probably submitted like four hundred images. Oh my gosh! And they said no, no, gotta you've got. So that's the, that's the sort of the challenge. It's not not so much the the writing or compiling it. It's the constraint of 
you've got to you've got to really slot it into that many words. I can only imagine this new book. How many pages? Um, three hundred. I've got. I can get a copy off the shelf, but three hundred or so. Yeah, a big thick book. Yeah, so lots and lots of Lotus history in here. So for you listeners that love the Lotus brand, this is a book you got to have on yourself. It's uh, absolutely spectacular. Is there another book in your future now? I mean, you've written so many books. Uh, are you working on an, on a new one? Yeah, uh, there's a, there's an Evora book in in, uh, in design at the moment with Veloci Publishing, oh, so that'll nice. be out in in August, and uh, that's got some nice drive stories in it too. Awesome. Tri- tri- driving to to Portugal or through the Alps in a, in an Evora, but um, or the Isle of Man, we, we went there last Ooh, year around nice. the TT course. Yes. The irony is that that those guys on their motor motorcycles are doing <laughs> literally 200 miles an hour on country lanes and through little villages. Uh, you know, 200. And my hat's off to those guys. I watch videos of that, and I also my heart starts racing. Um, I used to ride motorcycles, and I can't even imagine what those guys are. I don't know how their brains can work that fast. And the dangers that they're facing, I mean, it's, it's dangerous enough on a GP, motor GP track. Those roads, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, mind-boggling. Mind you're right. They're absolutely, the country lanes. And although out of the towns on the Isle of Man, there is no speed limit. That's what I hear. I didn't so know that. The, yeah. Here we are in our uh, Evora press car. Uh, and... Well, what what could I do? I mean, <laughs> put the pedal six, down. <laughs> six, well, no, but six, sixty miles an hour was about it. Well, yeah, yeah, country again, country roads. Yeah, it's uh, and, and and other traffic. Yeah, I saw a uh, a video with Jeremy Clarkson with the uh, BMW E46 CSL when they first came out, and he was on the Isle of Man driving that car around the Isle of Man and uh, talking about it. And and I until then I didn't know that there was no speed limits once you get outside the town there. So. That was kind of cool. That was something that I learned. Hey, let's talk about your passion for cars a little bit, because I'm kind of guessing you're a car guy. Maybe just a little, right? It's a lifelong thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. my, my, my dad was a sales rep, so he was always on the road. And uh, during like school holidays, I would probably, you know, if I didn't have anything better to do, I'd go out on the road with him. So from from a from childhood, yeah. It was. Well, is there one vehicle in your past that's really special for you? And if so, tell me about that ride. Well, I'm going to start crying any minute now. Oh, no. Now. Well, that's, you know, I know I've done a good job as an interviewer if I make my guests cry. <laughs> well, the car, the car in question, it's a Porsche, a 911 uh, or 964 to give it its uh, sort of model designation. Nice. Is, it was uh, mint green. Oh, uh, oh, I love uh, that color. And uh, so I call it the peppermint pig. <laughs> because you know, Porsche is a porcus. Yes. And so, so the peppermint pig, I, I bought it in, I'd gone to uh, Germany to interview somebody called Michael Rook, who uh, had his own race team, uh, Rook Racing. It's quite quite a famous team, uh, having won GT classes at Le Mans. And in Michael Rook's showroom was this center stage, this mint green car. And I, I thought, I haven't seen you. I didn't see you. Uh, uh, <laughs> When, when the interview had finished and my photographer was still sort of busy snapping, uh, I went over and had a look at it. And I thought, this is not an RS because I, it was got up like an RS. It lowered with, uh, you know, black wheels and so on. And I said, this has got a sunroof and a back seat. Uh, it's not an RS. And uh, I'd gone over in a, another 911 I had at the time, uh, which is also a left-hand drive car. And um, we, we more or less did the deal on the spot. 
he, he took my, my car and I, I, I drove away in the peppermint pig. Oh, my God. You know, I'll tell you something about mint green. In the 80s, I really wanted to buy a new Porsche. Uh, I had a couple used Porsches. There was a turbo in mint green at a Hohen Porsche dealership in Carlsbad, California. And I would go in there and kick the tires. I'm sure the salesmen were sick of seeing me because they knew I, <laughs> I had a new family, little baby, a new home. I couldn't afford a new turbo. But there was one on the showroom floor, and I just fell in love with it. I still th- I'm still talking about it today. This is a long time ago. And somebody had ordered it, and when it showed up, he said, oh, my gosh, I made a huge mistake. I hate this color. And so that car sat there for over a year. They could not sell it. It's a pretty bold color. And I used to try to figure out how on earth could I buy this car. I, I still think about it today. Of course, today it's one of those holy grail collectibles, you know, <sighs> in that color. But uh, yeah. they ended up sending that car out and having it repainted black so they could no get No way. Yeah. So they could get rid of it. They couldn't get rid of it. Nobody wanted it. And so I've always thought I want uh, a mint green car. I had a 964, a Carrera 2. That was my daily driver for years. Loved that car to death. It was set up like an RS America. Had the yeah, cup, yeah. cup wheels, had the RS America uh, front bumper, uh, had the uh, really beautiful mirrors that were kind of rounded like probably your car. Uh, so I have to ask, because you mentioned tears. I'm guessing it's not still in your... Oh, he puts a hand on his forehead. Here, come, <laughs> here, here comes the tears. What happened to that car? Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I just ran out of money. The, the train hit the buffers, and yeah. I just I had to sell it. Yeah, uh, we've all been there. They, uh, and a, a chappy in, in a mechanic in, in Belgium who had rebuilt the engine for me probably a, you know, a couple of years earlier, he said, look, if you want to sell it, I'll give you a lot of money for it. Yeah. And uh, so I think probably uh, uh, 2017, it it. it, it moved over to Belgium. Oh, you know, yeah, that color is so cool. And now with the onset of uh, so many people loving paint-to-sample cars, um, I've always thought, you know, in the future, in fact, I saw a Cayman painted that color last year at a local car show, and I just fell in love with it again. Mm. It's just, uh, green is kind of a color that's coming back. There's a lot of very cool green colors in the Porsche uh, world. Uh, That stone gray, which is a beautiful kind of gray-green color. There's uh, viper Green. I mean, it's all these great green colors that are kind of coming back. My first new car was a green Scirocco, first-gen Scirocco. So uh, there you go. So I'm going to be your car psychologist since I've got your emotional state a little hyper here. <laughs> I'm going to crawl into your head. If you were manifest as a vehicle, Johnny, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive yourself as the man in the mirror. What would you be and why? Uh, well, I, I I would be a 911. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I suppose I'd got to... I used to go to see races at, at uh, English tracks, uh-huh. uh, Brands Hatch, and so on. And and uh, you know, back in the day, you, you'd you'd see kind of nine elevens were, were relatively exotic then, and uh, you'd also see nine one sevens and stuff. Right. Yeah. So the the nine eleven, it's um, it has that timeless quality. It's sort of ageless, isn't it? Yeah. It's 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 really an air cooled car. It's noisy. It has it's boisterous. It's rough around the edges, <laughs> and yet you can you can get it to to handle nicely and with uh, a, a decent performance as well. There you go. I like it. You know, I was uh, interviewed by Tommy Kendall, the racer, 
on uh, show number 1000 here on Cars. Yeah. And when he asked me all the questions, I asked my guests and that was pretty much how I answered that question. I'm a Porsche 911 too. So are you really? Hey. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Nice one. Nice one. That's me for sure. You know, I always uh, ask my guests about a book, but in your case, we're going to again, pitch this uh, book, Lotus, the complete <laughs> story published by our friends at Crowwood Press. Uh, so I'm going to make sure I put a link to uh, on the show notes page for Johnny Tipler. So you listeners can get your hands on this again. If you love Lotus or you want to add to your library, this is a book that you have to have. Now you've been on many very cool drives as you uh, referred to back then. I'm going to allow you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to provide you with any car in the world. Money is no object here. You can be anywhere in the world and you can be with anybody living or deceased. So what would the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you, Johnny? Come in sight too. Would you mind if I, if I, so there's, there's a drive that Laura, my wife and I, we were thinking of doing which was uh, peaking to Paris. Oh, which yes. Is, uh, yeah. Which is a, a lengthy rally. That little, dr- yeah, little rally. Yeah. We bought a, a Volvo Amazon, which uh, some guys down there, a specialist, were converting into a, well, a truck, basically. Yeah. You know, you've seen welding it and everything. And then the Twin Towers got hit, and oh. all those long distance rallies yeah. were cancelled. So that, that's still something that I would like to do. Okay. But perhaps more, I'd like to do the Pan American Highway. I've done, I've raced the, in the La Carrera Panamericana, uh, which is a, a, yeah. a diff, different kettle of fish, but uh, the Panamerican Highway from, let's say, from the southern tip of Argentina. Patagonia all, area? Uh, yeah, all the way up through uh, Chile and so on. You go through uh, Central America, Mexico, obviously, all the way up to Alaska. Yes. Now, there is, there is such a, a route. And uh, yeah. uh, that would that would be quite quite an amazing thing to do. So, if I could provide you with any vehicle to take such an enormous journey in, what, <laughs> what would you be in? Okay, so if I can take you back to La Carrera Panamericana in in uh, Mexico, yeah. So the sexiest car there is the Studebaker Champion <laughs> Regal Starliner, <laughs> uh, the uh, R- Raymond Lowy designed. Yes. Uh, uh, Studebaker. So aesthetically, that that would do it for me as the as the vehicle. A nice big uh, yeah. V8. You know, that's quite an answer to that question because I think most people on a journey like that would probably pick like a Porsche Cayenne or you know something that was cushy and comfortable. But no, not you. Uh, you're in. For, <laughs> you're in for the adventure. I'd sound. That's a very neat answer to that question. Very cool. Well, you've taken me on an awesome journey. I think I could talk to you forever. Uh, I'm sure there's more stories in that skull of yours that we can share in the future, maybe when that new Avora book is is out. Before I let you go, though, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom, advice for our listeners today? Uh, I think don't be afraid to step off the edge once in a while. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like that's something you've uh, lived your life that way. Now and again, yeah. <laughs> if, if Yeah, taking off on a on a Dutch barge on the that I'm <laughs> huge <laughs> Leviathan on the on the French canals. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. You know, yeah, definitely. And with what we've been through the last two years in life, I think it's readjusted maybe some people's uh, compasses uh, to not be afraid to step off the edge and to get out there and live life, enjoy things, and uh, hopefully we will all get back to that very soon as sanctions and mandates start to lift away a little bit here. I certainly hope so. Uh, you can uh, learn a lot more about Johnny listeners at his website, Johnny Tipler. 
tipler, T-I-P-L-E-R dot C-O dot U-K. I'll put a link to that on Johnny Shono's page so you can check it out. And I want to do a shout out to uh, uh, Johnny's son, Jules. He's the one who is responsible for getting me together <laughs> today. I met Jules a couple of weeks ago. He was bringing a guest here to the show. We had a nice little uh, chat. Wonderful, wonderful chap. Uh, if I will say, and he goes, you know what? You should have my dad on your show. He was right. I should. And also, I want to do a shout out to uh, Ellie Stevenson at the Crowwood Press. They're the ones that published this wonderful book. So shout out to them. Make sure we put links to their website as well. Johnny, thank you for spending a really fun time with us today. This was great. Thank you to your wife, Laura, for getting us connected on the uh, the IT end of this. <laughs> She's obviously got some IT uh, talents there and skills. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Fantastic, Mark. Thanks very much for having me on. It's You're been welcome. a real pleasure. This has been fun. Cheers. Yeah, cheers for now. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS yeah when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!